There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, it's Stephen Diener, host of the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Welcome to the newest episode of Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. I'm your host, Jason Fraley, picking the brains of the top filmmakers, musicians, and artists of our time. Happy 80th birthday today to four-time Oscar nominee Marsha Mason, best known for her role across Richard Dreyfuss in The Goodbye Girl in 1977. We spoke in 2017 when she performed in Watch on the Rhine at Arena Stage in D.C. We're here with the one and only four-time Oscar nominee, two-time Golden Globe winner, Marsha Mason. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you. Good morning, everybody. Good and, afternoon. Yeah, whatever time it is. Whatever time. <laughs> um, and the reason she's here is because we're talking about Watch on the Rhine at Arena Stage, part of the larger um, Lillian Hellman series. Before we dive into the actual play, talk about why it's so cool that Arena's doing this tribute to Hellman. Well, I think you have to really um, give Molly Smith... Uh, She is just one of the best artistic directors in the country. Um, And she has great vision, and she really thinks about it. And it was her idea. And about a year and a half ago, we did a reading of both the Little Foxes and and Watch on the Rhine to see what they sounded like, you know, um, around a table. And, And then she put together this fabulous festival. And then also the readings of some of other of the other Lillian Hellman material has been done uh, all through the festival, and it's free. So it's really great what she's done. It's really terrific. And she's a strong proponent of women in theater, and um, and we need that kind of strength and uh, focus. Absolutely. Um, okay, let's dive into the show. Okay. You and I know what it's about, but let's say our listeners might not. Give them just a quick premise. All right. Watch on the Rhine was uh, also a movie as well as a Broadway show originally in 1940. Uh, It is a play that Lillian Hellman wrote about the rise of fascism in Germany at that time and America's um, position at that time was much more isolationist. So uh, I play Fanny Farrelly, uh, a character who comes from the Washington social scene. Her husband was an ambassador and lecturer, and her whole family has been in that part of the, you know, D.C. uh, (laughs) social environment. So you'll recognize yourself on stage, (laughs) audience members. (laughs) And she uh, sort of represents uh, America. And then there is the other leading character, Kurt who is an anti-fascist from Germany, and he's married my daughter, and I haven't seen them for 20 years, and they have three children, and they're coming home because things are getting very difficult in um, Europe. And the play balances out the, um, the suspense because there is a third character, Tech de Brancovis, who is pay, uh, played by Tony, and he, he is ostensibly 
the villain, if you will, because he's willing for a price to give um, Kurt's identity away. So we have a suspenseful, political, domestic, and there's a lot of humor in it as well. So I think there's a little bit for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. But as you describe, it's like Hitchcock's Notorious. You That's got the, right. Yeah, you know exactly. what I mean? Exactly. Oh, exactly. I love it. Um, talk about, because it, um, it was written before, it was 1941 it came, so we weren't even in the war yet. America no, hadn't No, and even... actually I think she originally wrote it in 39. Okay. Then it was produced, I think, on Broadway by um, Mr. Shumlin in 1940. And then the movie uh, was done probably right after that. Wow. Talk about how the fact that it was written and no one knew the outcome of what this, what was going to happen. I think of that. What's that line in Casablanca when he's like, um, it's December 41 and I bet everyone's sleeping in America. No, it's it's the same kind of deal. Everybody, uncertain times. Well, and also what, in terms of the research that I did um, um, and that uh, the dramaturg, provided for us. What was really interesting was the U.S. position. They didn't really want to go go into the war. And just serendipitously, uh, sometimes when I come home after the play at night, I can't go to sleep right away. And so I was trolling through Netflix and Foyle's War, which was a series about what was happening in England during exactly the same time. Mm. So I started watching sections, um, uh, episodes of that, and it was very interesting to get this different because even in Foyle's War, they talk about uh, America's uh, hesitancy. And also what they also did is they didn't really tell the uh, American public what was really going on in Europe. We didn't really understand. And because of the Treaty of Versailles, Mm -hmm. we also were partly responsible for the devastation that happened to Germany, which did give the rise to Hitler. So it's a very interesting, complex period. But the thing that's so extraordinary about it is there's a line in the show that gets applause every single night that we do it because it is so contemporary to what's happening today. What's the line? And the line is about we don't turn away uh, refugees. Right. Yeah. Watch for the line in Watch on the Rhine. <laughs> that it's very, but it is very. It tight. Is. Go into more yeah. about that. Americans were reluctant to get involved in isolationists. It, well, I remind me of that Winston Churchill quote: is, "Americans always do the right thing after exhausting all the other possible <laughs> options." There you but, go. Um, right. But yeah, but um, talk about how how it is relevant. I mean, with the refugees, you know, um, ca- oh. caution against fascism. Oh, totally. I mean, we have to be really, really careful. And we have to we have to demand from the journalists the truth about what's really happening everywhere. It's very difficult now because we do have fake news, but there are a lot of resources at our feet that we they didn't have in those days, and um, and we have to be become more active, and that's really the issue. I rem- there's a line also another line in the play where Kurt says to me in great frustration, Madam Fanny, he says, it is no longer the world you knew. And so the arc of my character and my family, my son and my daughter, is that we become aware and informed and we have to take a stand. And will we is the question. Right, you know? right. Absolutely. Yeah. Who plays your Kurt? 
And what's it like working oh, with him? Oh, Andrew Long, who's yeah. been uh, he's been a was an artist in residence at the Shakespeare Theater, as well as he's worked uh, here at the Arena before. He's an absolutely wonderful, wonderful actor. He's been on Broadway, um, and he's done a great deal of regional theater. A lot of the younger actors, um, one in particular, Thomas Keegan, said his father, who is also an actor, said, if you want to learn really good acting, then watch Andrew Long. And it's yeah. absolutely true. I just giggled to myself because Thomas Keegan's father, James, yeah. was the antagonist in my thesis film at no, American University. Yeah, I cast really? him. So I know Thomas and James really oh, well. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, well, Thomas plays my son David in it, and um, and he's terrific, too. We have such a strong cast. Um, it was really nice. One of the ladies out front who had been to see it said that was what was also so terrific is the, the cast, the ensemble is so strong. And you don't get a chance to see these kinds of plays very often because it is so big. We have 11 people, yeah. uh, three children, and and we're all on the stage at the same time in the second act. So that's quite a phenomenon. <laughs> so is it mostly set here in D.C.? In it's DC, set in a uh, very sort of luxurious okay. mansion kind of house out in uh, Maryland. Right. Yeah. I've always been here. My daughter is the one that went overseas oh, okay. and married Kurt, uh, the Andrew Long character. And she hasn't been back for 20 I years. See. And she feels as strongly as he did and helps him with his work. Um, and I was very rigid about their uh, coming together early on. And so we haven't seen each other. We've written each other. Mm. But there is a, uh, um, a tapestry of conflicting personality issues that's totally universal to mother and daughter. So, <laughs> so uh, have, having two daughters myself, I know. So um, <laughs> you know what that's yeah, like. <laughs> I mean it's, and also philosophically, you know, uh, Fanny is comes from an, a world that is no longer or is about to come apart, really. Which speaks to the line you just mentioned yeah, about yeah, yeah exactly. the world is not like you knew it. Yeah. When did you see the uh, the Betty Davis version, the movie? I saw it a long time ago on, you know, TMC or whatever, probably. But I, I decided not to watch the movie. Um, I probably am going to watch it now that we're open and yeah, yeah. I feel strong about <laughs> what I'm doing. But I didn't want to, I, I, because also I, I, I know some of the other actors did. And I know that the script is quite a bit different from the from the play. So I just figured, okay, I'll get myself settled in, know what I'm doing, and then I'll watch. Because God knows, Betty Davis is pretty phenomenal. And Lisa Bruno uh, Bonneau is playing uh, her role, the role of uh, Sarah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think So I think the movie, the, the script was adapted by Dashiell Hammett, who was... Um, is that right? Yeah, the I screenplay. Forgot. He adapted Hellman, his wife, her play into the, the screenplay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I didn't remember that. That's great. <laughs> I bring that up because the husband-wife collaboration yeah. thing, you and Neil Simon yes. for many, yeah. many years, your first yeah. husband. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just talk about what was that like on your experience, and how do you think that might help Lillian and Hammett? <laughs> well, Neil and I had uh, a phenomenal relationship, uh, personally as well as professionally. And not a lot of married couples can work together, mm. but we, I guess because we both had such um, respect for each other's talent, um, 
he for mine and mine for his. I, you know, and I just, we had the best time. We just had the best time working together. We really, really enjoyed it. We had a wonderful time. And um, we shared, you know, 10 really nice years together. Yeah. So it was good. Well, he wrote three of your four Oscar nominations, yeah. right? Yeah. So that, I'd say that's a good um all right, cool. If you'll indulge me, yeah. just while we came up on that, let's let's go through some of your movies real quick, and then we'll bring it back okay, around to watch sure. on the run. Okay. Well, I guess first it was it was on Broadway. Good Doctor. Yes. Memories. Let's yes. we'll rapid fire. Up. Well, that's how we met okay, actually, yeah. and um, you and Neil. Yeah, I came to audition, and um, I I I thought maybe I would get a call back, and I got back to my agent's office, and they said, "Oh, you're hired." So I thought, "Oh, wow, that's unusual." Um, <laughs> So I showed up uh, on October the 3rd, I remember, for the first day of rehearsal. And we were all uh, seated around a big table that was actually on the stage of the O'Neill Theater, which he happened to own at the time. And um, during the break or whatever, after we had read it, he came around the back of my chair and put his hands on my shoulder and my shoulders, and I reached up and just patted it, his hand, and it was such a shockingly familiar thing. It 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 really unnerved me. I had to excuse myself and go to the ladies' room and go, "Wow, what was that? What it was, was that? like a whole frisson or something." You know, it was really weird. And so we wound up um, just being chemically attracted to one another instantly. <laughs> and his daughters, um, my now my daughters, his daughters um, said, well, why don't you take out Marsha? Um, and we won't, you know, tell our friends and stuff. He had lost, they had lost their mother to cancer just um, a few months before. And um, so we, we wound up, so we met there on October the 3rd and we were married three weeks later. <laughs> wow, whirlwind romance. Yeah. Well, the girls, the girls really were instrumental in a way because they said, you know, well, why doesn't she move in and we won't tell our friends you're not married? So, <laughs> and they were nine and fifteen at the time. So, nice. Yeah, it was it was a lovely. It That's was awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Um, working with James Kahn, yeah. Cinderella Liberty, yep. first Globe win and first Oscar nomination, yeah. right? That whole whirlwind. Experience. That was another whirlwind too. I didn't plan that. I never thought I would be in the movies. And I was actually at ACT in San Francisco doing repertory work um as an actor. Um and he came what happened was is um I did Bloom and Love and it was in the process of being edited by Paul Mazursky, the director. So and he gave me this big, you know, sort of supporting, nice supporting role. So Mark called him up to look at some footage of another actor in the in the movie, and um, he didn't think that that person was right or something. So he was talking to Mark, and uh, Paul was talking to Mark and Rydell, and he said, um, "Let me show you. Let me show you some rough footage of this." Uh, gal that she's up in uh, San Francisco now. So he looked at it and he came up and saw me in, I think, Dal's house right. with Jimmy Khan and I met them afterwards. And then I, re- I read the play, uh, the movie and auditioned for for Mark and we talked and I wound up getting it. And, and then they liked it so much. 20th Century Fox liked the picture so much and they really felt very strongly 
about the performances of for both of us that um, they rushed it out um, that year. So I wound up having two pictures come out in the same year and get getting nominated. And all the while, I couldn't go to the Golden Globes because I was doing The Good Doctor. So <laughs> that's, Mark accepted it for me. That's yeah. great. Yeah, th- this great. was like a year after Godfather for him, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. this is like peak James Conn. Yeah, oh, that's yeah, so yeah. Great. And then he came out with The Gambler, and I think yeah. he got a nomination on that one also. Man, this is the people you've worked with is blowing my mind. Yeah. Speaking of which, Richard Dreyfuss, oh, goodbye, yeah. girl. <laughs> he, so... At, Acting off of you, he wins his Oscar, and I think you got won a Globe for that. Yeah, so, man, yeah. that experience. Herbert yeah. Ross. Yeah, yeah, it was fabulous. What What was really interesting is we had another script. It was called Bogart Slept Here, and <laughs> Neil wanted to do a reading of it. And um, uh, Ray Stark, the producer, said, okay, well, we'll pull it together. And so Dr- Dreyfus and I read this material. And Neil uh, listened to it, and we just had, again, Dreyfus and I had this great chemistry. Mm. We just always have it, and we have it to this day. If we see each other or we wound up going to London to do Prisoner of Second Avenue together, Mm -hmm. um, and we just have great, great acting chemistry together. So um, Neil uh, said afterwards, he said, okay, I know what's wrong with the material, now, uh, you know, but I, I can fix it. And so uh, Bogart Slept Here uh, sort of ended where it started, I think, where the goodbye girl uh, ends. Okay. So he flipped it around right. because it was really about – it was uh, Bogart Slept Here was to be sort of loosely around the way um, – it was Dustin Hoffman and Mike Nichols, you know, with The Graduate mm-hmm. – so the story of Bogart was about this family with a, a couple of kids who go, this struggling actor goes to uh, Hollywood and becomes famous. So instead, what became the goodbye girl <laughs> is, you know, right. this struggling actor comes to New York, meets this single mother, yeah. and the movie ends with him getting the right, part right, and going right. to Hollywood. Okay, I got it. That's funny. It's called Bogart Slept Here because didn't Herbert Ross, your director... He did play it against Sam with, with Woody yep, Allen. So yep, there's yep, the Bogart. Yep, all right, yep, cool. Yep. See, we're all tying it in. <laughs> oh, but that's awesome. Uh, great film. Uh, all right, well, we'll have to go faster to get through these other ones. But worked with Khan again um, yes, for Chapter yes, for 2. Chapter 2. Third yeah, Oscar that was nomination. wonderful. Yeah, that was a good experience. Um, Ned Beatty, Susan Clark, Promises in the Dark. Yes. And then fourth God. Oscar nom for Only When I Left, Joan Hackett won yes. a Globe opposite for you. What is it with these people winning <laughs> by working with you? You have the secret sauce. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> but that's no, great. No, we had a great time. And that picture was uh, um, Only When I Left is one of my favorites because it's really an ensemble piece mm. with all those actors. Mm. Um, so it was really great. I've, I've had a really spectacular career, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's really good. And I, there was a picture I did called Drop Dead Fred that winds mm-hmm. up constantly getting revived, and they're thinking of doing a you know a remake of it and yeah. all kinds of stuff. So well, I I was been very lucky. Very, very lucky. lucky. Last speaking of lucky, do you feel lucky, Clint Eastwood, Heartbreak yeah, Bridge? Yeah, yeah. I think I'm probably the only woman that ever slapped Clint Eastwood. <laughs> <laughs> I got to slap him. You got to slap yeah. him. All right. Well, but he bring... was great to work with. Oh yeah. Yeah, he was phenomenal. Yeah. Totally.
As really a, well, brilliant. And directed it too. And yes, he directed it. Now, the, just very quickly, I'll tell you a great story about him. He he was standing waiting for a shot to get set up, and we were on a dance floor, um, and we had to move around, and they were using um, you know the camera, and um, he had lines. So we start the scene and we're dancing and we're saying the dialogue and the camera's moving around and I can tell that he's pushing me in certain ways. And so after the called cut, he I said what was he said I was watching the play of light across your face to make sure we got a nice shot. So he was acting and directing and dancing. All at the same I'm, time. That's so It wild. was really cool. It takes a true talent to do that. Yeah, it does. Well, all right, bringing it to, back to Watch on the Rhine. Who okay. directs you here? Uh, Jackie Maxwell, who was the artistic director of the Shaw Festival at Lake on the Niagara. And um, she's just one of the best. Yeah. I mean, her work in this play is phenomenal because we are in the round. And we have, like I said, 11 people. And that is not easy. And one uh, a, a lovely woman who's an actor here came and saw the show, and she moved around, you know, in the theater. She said, in every area, you could nobody was blocked. Mm. It was really wonderful, and she was so good with the kids and with us. And we, since it's such a large cast, we often work a little differently. Each person has their own technique or their own process, and she manages to find a way to communicate to all of us, so that we delivered this really strong performance, I feel. And it's totally uh, because of her. Speaking of her directing you, what do you appreciate the most about the director in the rehearsal process? What Do you like a director that knows everything down pat, or do you like a little more loose improvisation? or what sort It'll of you- depend more on the material that you're doing, mm-hmm. you know, Um for example, I would I deferred to Michael Kahn in everything when I did All's Well because my experience with Shakespeare mm-hmm. had been quite long ago and not that much. Right. So you you want to have somebody help you uh, find what is really right and true. Uh, and yet at the same time, they make you feel secure and comfortable and that what you're doing is good. Um and Jackie was amazing that way, too. So, I mean, you're really blessed with the th- the theater community here. Yeah. You have all these wonderful theaters and these great actors. It's really terrific. Have you done anything at Arena before or no, any of the other the local time. theaters in D.C.? Just uh, the Shakespeare and, yeah, and yeah. now Arena. But, well, um, welcome and, back. <laughs> thank you. Well, I'm and I look forward to going to see these other um uh, theaters, you know, Woolly Mammoth and some of the other ones. Um, and, and and through the actors, I, I hear all about them, and it's they just sound wonderful. And the talent pool here is just quite wonderful, yeah. really great. It really is. Yeah. Well, if any of our listeners have been hearing this nice, awesome, generous half-hour <laughs> interview, um, what's the final sell to get them to come out? Why should they come? Oh, I think it's so important to see good material. And Lillian Hellman has written a well-plotted, strong, funny, deep, subtle political play. Mm -hmm. And I just think it's great. I think you're going to really be, uh, you will have missed something if you don't see it. 
Truly, is it? It's kind of that's a that's a rare gift to be able to see a show that's funny, like you say, and entertaining, but also is teaching you something that's and right. cautioning something. That's right. Social commentary. That's right. Yeah. And the characters are complex. They're not two dimensional. You know, they're they're full out. They're they're filled with complexities and contradictions, which I think is really the best. Absolutely, because. We as humans, that's how we are. We're all complex. Marshall Mason, you're just awesome. Thanks for joining us. Um, (laughs) Again, it's Watch on the Rhine at Arena Stage. Go see it. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. Thanks so much for joining us on Beyond the Fame with Jason Fraley. Remember to hit the subscribe button and give us a five-star rating if you like what you hear. We'll see you next time. wanted to take a second to tell you about an app I really enjoy. Living in the D.C. area is great, and Podcast D.C. gathers all of the local shows that I like all in one local app. Health, sports, local news, politics, and so much more. Podcast D.C. is the new local app with hundreds of D.C. area podcasts to choose from. I can earn exciting rewards just for listening and share the podcasts I love instantly. Available in the App Store or in Google Play, listen local with Podcast D.C.